Hi, welcome to Caring for the Clippers podcast. I'm John Delaray. This is my second podcast episode. Uh, as I mentioned yesterday, the reason that my podcast is named Caring for the Clippers is because I feel in Los Angeles, lots of people like to say that nobody cares about the Clippers. And I am, I am evidence that that is in fact an untrue statement because I care deeply about the Clippers, hence me making this podcast. Just got done with a spin class here in Long Beach. Uh, shout out to Olympics Fitness Center in Long Beach. Yeah, yeah. Love Olympics Fitness Center. Um, had a great workout, working off, sweating out the euphoria of yesterday's victory over the Milwaukee Bucks by my and hopefully your Los Angeles Clippers. Arguably the biggest win this season yet for the Clippers. Uh, not necessarily a must-win game, but a, just a, a huge win. And here's why it's such a huge win: is everybody. The, the media has made a point of saying the Clippers are going to be buried after 14 games. That's been kind of the big thing. 14 games in, Clippers have a ridiculously hard schedule. Uh, there's no way they're going to be at 500. That's kind of my read and what the media has been saying. Various websites, The Athletic, The Ringer, as you read through, it's all about these first 14 games. And I was concerned. I thought I thought when we were 6-5, and five, there was a relatively good chance, given the difficulty of the schedule, that we would lose a few games in a row and be 6-8. and eight after 14 games. And I, that just wasn't going to make me, or I was afraid more importantly, the Clippers feel good about themselves. However, now after 14 games, the worst, the worst we can be is seven and seven. And as I look ahead now, I'm getting more optimistic and I'm thinking there's a chance we'll be nine and five after those 14 games. We play Golden State, uh, on Monday, which I'll talk about later, but our chances for winning that game are due to injuries to some of the Warriors greater than usual. And then we play San Antonio, who I think is a beatable team this year for us. So I'm worked up. I am feeling the Clippers right now, and I'm feeling them because of yesterday's game. Yesterday was so positive for so many reasons. The Clippers showed toughness. That's something, mental toughness, which I was concerned about because the Clippers had, in my opinion, fallen apart in a couple of their losses when pressed. And they were definitely pressed yesterday by the Bucks. And they, they pushed back, which was really good to see as a team. They, they found their footing. Um, you know, they, I, they played a poor second quarter. I thought they might get blown out coming into the third quarter. I, I, at, at halftime, I, we needed to make some adjustments. The Bucks were coming off a 40 point second quarter where Brooke Lopez absolutely tore us up. Apparently, Brooke Lopez, Lopez can shoot the three. Uh, the Clippers didn't know that. I didn't know that. I think we should have checked the the stats before the game. That was going into the game. I don't think I don't think I or any of the Clippers thought the big concern was Brooke Lopez shooting threes, but that was the big concern for sure yesterday. So apparently, Doc got on Montrezl. We call him Montrezl because that's the way he spells his name. There's an L at the end of his name. There are no silent L's that I can ever remember in the history of the English language. So Montrezl is Montrezl. I will call him Montrezl on this podcast. Apparently, Doc got on Montrezl at halftime and told him he needed to do a better job uh, closing out on Brooke, on Brooke Lopez. Uh, Montrezl did that. Montrezl played a fantastic second half. If it weren't for Lou's final shot, Montrezl was easily the best or the most important Clipper player on the floor yesterday. He continues to amaze me. And what I mentioned Lou too, who of course made the game winning shot, which I'll talk about in a minute. But one of the beauties of both Lou and Montrezl is coming into the season, I thought 
that those were guys. Well, I didn't think this. They were guys who the Clippers had actually extended contracts to. Uh, they signed Lou three years, you know, 17 and a half million through the end of the 2021 season. And they signed Montrezl through the end of the 2020 season next year to a $12 million, two years, two year, $6 million contract or two year, $12 million contract, $6 million per, per year. And when sometimes, and I, for some reason, I was worried about Montrezl the most, who had had such a good season last season, you're just concerned he might rest on his laurels. And Montrezl is most definitely not resting on his laurels. Montrezl, Montrezl is doing more dunking and yelling. You dunk and yell, Montrezl. Yeah, yeah. Montrezl is doing more dunking and yelling this year than he did last year. And I didn't think he could do more. But he is finding a way to do more dunking and yelling. And by the way, the the new headband, the new headband, that's got to become a thing. Clipper fans, I implore you, wear a Montrezl headband to the games. That's something we all need to do. That's got to be a community thing. I think you can just basically rip a piece of fabric or like an old T-shirt, rip it apart and just tie it around your head. It's a look. It's a new look. It's taking L.A. by storm. I haven't seen anything this fashion forward since, uh, what was his name? Si- Simon Lebon, the Duran Duran lead singer, was wearing a headband somewhat similar back in the 80s. So Montrezl is apparently trying to bring Duran Duran back. Uh, God bless you, Montrezl, for, tri- for trying to do that. Anyway, back to yesterday's game. The final shot was the reason we won the game. Uh, so Lou, Lou's awesome. Lou is Lou is just such a great scorer. I just, I, I'm amazed at how well Lou scores. I mean, that, that, the degree of difficulty on that shot was insane. And he made it look easy. Lou, and he got fouled too, by the way, which they didn't call, which Clippers, don't, don't get me started. We'll talk about the refs and the Clippers later at some other, on some other podcast. But I, I don't feel like we get as many calls as a lot of the teams. And Lou definitely got fouled. Go to the replay. He basically got landed on after he shot it. So he should have gotten a call there. He, he didn't get it, but he made the basket anyway, so it didn't matter. But there was so much more to the victory than just that. Um, Lou, after the game, by the way, on his post-game interview, for those of you watching on Fox Sports, said he played like trash. And, yeah, granted, Lou didn't shoot the ball well. He was 4 for 14 before making the last shot of the game. But but Lou, I was looking, Lou had 10 assists. Uh, Lou had 10 assists and only two turnovers. He had a 5 to 1 turn, uh, assist to turnover ratio yesterday. Plus minus was plus 6. I will take that game from Lou any day of the week. Uh, Lou's going to make his shots. He's going to miss his shots. Lou's going to take a lot of shots. But we're going to live and die with Lou this year. And we're going to live and die with Lou probably for the next couple of years. And I'm happy living and dying with Lou. Lou has taken responsibility for making the final shot for a team that needs that. And you need players who are willing to take on responsibility like that. And Lou provides that service for the Clippers. And it is utterly utterly important for this team to win. So thank you, Lou. Also, how big was Shea's three-pointer in overtime? That This guy, this guy is amazing. He's 20 years old, people. He's a 20-year-old. Think about what you were doing when you were 20. This guy is on an NBA stage, and he's playing like he knows. He plays, he's playing so so wisely. When when Kobe was 20, right, he wasn't playing wisely. He was just jacking up shots, trying to take more responsibility on than he should. And that was the way Kobe operated. Um, I think like Kevin Durant wasn't the player at 20 that he is now. Shea Gilchrist Alexander is playing 
he he's not dominating at age 20 like maybe some some have I can't think of anybody offhand maybe nobody ever has but he is playing like an NBA player at age 20 in terms of his decision making and for him to knock down that three to have the confidence within the within the system of the offense to take that shot and make it speaks volumes about Shea Gilchrist Alexander he is a very, very good NBA player right now. Once again, looking at the statistics for Shea, he played more minutes than any other no, and than any other Clipper other than Danilo, uh, who played 41. Shea played 40 minutes yesterday. He was plus six, plus minus. The guy's routinely in the plus column when it comes to plus minus. Um, he can shoot free throws, which is which is huge. He knocked down two of two of three three pointers. Six rebounds, four assists. He just but he had three blocks. He filled up the box score again yesterday. And we're just if we hadn't drafted Shea, this team right now would not be seven and five. This team would be five and seven. That's what I think. I think Shea Gilgis Alexander, based on the eye test, is worth two wins right now. Um couple other kind of things about yesterday's game. Uh, Danilo did not shoot the ball well. And for us to win when Danilo went one for seven from three. And I mentioned on yesterday's podcast that I was concerned that when Danilo went cold, which he was going to do because he was shooting near 50% from three prior to this game, that when Danilo went cold, I was worried that we were going to have trouble scoring. And for us to beat the Bucks, the nine and two Bucks, with Danilo going one for seven from three-point land means we're a good team. We're, we're, we're gelling. We're, we're coming. We're, folks, this, this is happening. I, I really believe this is happening. This Clipper team is happening. Uh, if we, well, anyway, we'll, we'll get on to the Warriors game in a minute, but let me, let me finish talking about, about, um, the Bucks game yesterday. Patrick Beverly finally started making some shots, which is why we were able to, to, get by with Danilo having his worst shooting game of the of the year so far. Patrick Beverly went five of eight from three. And I'm so happy for Patrick because again, like I said again on yesterday's podcast, we're nobody plays harder every minute of every game than Patrick Beverly. No NBA player I've ever seen. That guy is locked in and giving his all a hundred percent of the time, all the time, and that is so rare in the NBA. And he does. He does. He's always trying. Uh, again, I question whether I question his, his just his talent level. I do. And I'm sorry about that. I know, again, if he were here, he would not be happy with me. But I question Pat, Patrick Beverly's talent level. But you can't ever question his effort. So I'm so happy for him to have a big game yesterday. Uh, 21 points. They were 21 points. We sorely needed uh, five rebounds, three assists. And again, five of eight from three point land, which is which if he can shoot, if he can just shoot league average, we're going to be a, a pretty good team. Also, who turned Mike Scott into Kyle Korver? Uh, apparently, Doc has given Mike Scott, coming off the bench, the major green light. Because that guy comes in and he's looking to do one thing, and that is jack up threes. And I'm not sure whether I like it or not. I'm not sure he's that good a shooter. Uh, in 16 minutes, he squeezed off seven threes. He didn't take any twos. They were all threes. He came in and started shooting threes. Not made three of them. So that's, we'll take three of seven from Mike Scott. He seems to play decent defense and he's a decent rebounder. He's, he's kind of an interesting player. I'm not quite sure what to make of him yet. Uh, time will tell if he can continue to be a decent three point shooter. But again, uh, it's not what I expected coming into the season. I, I didn't know we had, you know, big Kyle Korver on our bench. Uh, did not expect that to be the role that Mike Scott was going to fill. 
But another thing about Mike Scott is just from, from again, from reading the media, apparently he's a great locker room guy. Like everybody loves Mike Scott, which of course makes, makes me like him more. And it's rare. It's rare in the NBA that you get the great locker room guy with the neck tattoo. A lot of times the neck tattoo, in my opinion, signifies potential problems in the locker room. Uh, just thinking back about various trailblazers, and I'm not going to name names, but uh, there have been various trailblazers. There have been others. And generally, the neck tattoo means I'm potentially going to be giving you trouble. And apparently, Mike Scott is just this incredibly nice human being who is great in the locker room. And uh, I'm ha- at this point, I'm happy to have Mike Scott on the team. I, I didn't know much about him, but uh, apparently he's our answer to Kyle Korver. So way to go, Mike Scott. Um, you know, again, let's see. We touched on Lou. Lou uh, only had 12 points, but did have 10 assists, playing 33 minutes. Great. And made the last shot, which was phenomenal. High degree of difficulty and all that. Uh, let's see. What else can we talk about? Uh, Giannis had a, had a good game. Uh, Giannis scored 27 points and had 18 rebounds. And yet we still managed to win the game. Um, I, I just a, a very, very nice win for the Clippers overall. Um, let's see. Let's let's talk a little bit about the Warriors now, who we play on. Who we play tomorrow night. So the last Warrior game, I noticed. I haven't done any research, and I probably should have. But Draymond was in street clothes, and uh, Steph was. Steph got hurt during the game. It sounds like Steph definitely will not be playing on Monday night, which, of course, is a huge break for the Clippers. Uh, Steph is arguably the best player in basketball right now, uh, certainly in the top three or four. Uh, and when when that team loses Steph, he is their most important player. I mean, with with apologies to Kevin Durant, Steph is, is their most important player. You, he makes their offense go uh, – I, I feel much more comfortable saying we have a good chance of beating the Warriors on Monday with Steph not playing as opposed to if Durant weren't playing. So how do we match up now? So that probably means a lot of time for our old friend, Sean Livingston. And I was thinking about this. So Sean Livingston will probably start uh, on Monday. And Sean's game, Sean's entire game is backing down smaller guards and then, you know, to about 12 feet and then just shooting over them. He's, he's the master of that and he does it extremely well, but we, we may have an answer for that, which most teams don't have. And we sort of have Sean Livingston 2.0 on our team, but in my opinion, a better, more refined model. And his name is Shea Gilgis Alexander. And my prediction is that doc will throw Shea on Sean Livingston and Sean Livingston is going to have trouble with Shea. Mark my words, that is gonna, that's gonna be a thing. Sean Livingston is gonna have all kinds of trouble getting by Shea and getting his shots off. Right? And that means that then we can put Patrick Beverly on Clay. I like that matchup too. Beverly's good at running around screens and sticking with his man. Really good at it. That's probably his, his greatest strength. So I like the way, without, without step, I like the way we're matching up. Um, you know, again, Avery Bradley and Luke were missing for the Bucks. I thought we were going to have a lot of trouble winning that game without those guys, and we won it anyway. If if Luke were back for the Warrior game, that would be huge because then he could get a lot of minutes probably on Durant. If not, though, if not, one thing that was interesting about the Bucks game is Danilo guarded Giannis a lot, and I thought they'd use Toby on him. But instead, there was a lot of Danilo on Giannis, and Danilo did a pretty good job, and I, I might be – I might be underestimating Danilo 
as a defender. He's a good rebounder. He's he's really impressing me. We we signed we we we've signed Danilo for a lot of money, right? We're paying Danilo what over twenty one million dollars this year to play basketball for the Clippers, and he and I didn't think he was worth it. I was happy to have him on the team, but I thought it might be our only bad contract coming into the season. But now I don't think so. I think that was a good signing, Danilo. Danilo playing defense on Giannis really impressed me. He did he did a pretty good job, it looked like. So that's a part of Danilo's game that I might have been underestimating. So perhaps Danilo can can guard Durant some. I mean, can't believe I'm saying that, but I think you know he can maybe he can maybe give Durant a bit of a bit of trouble. But so we'll see we'll see there. Very happy that Doc went that Doc apparently took my recommendation from my prior podcast and went back to starting Martin Gortat at center. Uh, Again, I don't think it works with Beverly Bradley when 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 Bradley comes back. I don't think it works with Beverly Bradley and Gortat all starting. We just don't have enough offense, and the floor doesn't get spaced well, and all that stuff. So you've got to keep Shea in the starting lineup when Bradley come when Bev, when Bradley comes back. Um, but if you do, if you keep Shea in the starting lineup, then you've got to start Martin Gortat, and I hope that. I think you can find time for all three centers. I hope that Doc doesn't feel that he can't play Boban when he starts Martin. Because I thought yesterday in the second quarter of the game when, when Brooke Lopez was going berserk, that Boban should have gone in the game. Because you tell Boban to get up on, on Brooke Lopez, right? I don't understand leaving him there was was not something that I thought was smart. Because make Brooke, Brooke Lopez put it on the floor and drive by you. If he drives by you, what's he going to do? He's... We're going to have, he's going to lumber down the lane. We're going to have all kinds of time to get help defenders over. And if you get in his way, he's either going to charge or have to make a pass. And I would love to see Brooke Lopez try and make a pass on the run. That feels like a steal waiting to happen to me. So it wasn't like the Sixer game when we were leaving Joel Embiid to shoot threes. That kind of made more sense because it took the Sixers out of their offense. But when you have a role player, which is what Brooke Lopez is, his role is to shoot those threes if he gets open. And we were just leaving him open. So he's just doing his job. He's not taking them out of their offense. That's part of their offense. It's, it's different when with Embiid, he's kind of more of an initiator and he gets the ball out and he's got to keep working it around some. So anyway, I just think, and Boban was the right guy because there's no way that with Boban's height and putting in a, a hand up, there's, I mean, Lopez isn't going to look for threes and he might try and drive by Boban, but, but big deal. I mean, I don't know. I, I just, to me, it made sense. I was calling for Boban yesterday late in the second quarter, and I was surprised that Doc didn't go there, given that we weren't at the time getting the energy that we usually get out of Montrezl. So I hope Doc continues to use Boban strategically and doesn't just keep him on the pine, because Boban's a force. And I think he might be a force in this Warrior game, because the Warriors oftentimes play small, smaller centers that can't shoot. And I think I'm thinking of it, Draymond kind of fits that, and certainly Jordan Bell fits that a little bit. Um, not sure who else they're playing at center, but it's now with JaVale McGee gone. I don't think they there's anybody overly. Um, let me look at their roster real quick here. Hold on. Um, who am I forgetting? Am I forgetting somebody? All you Clipper fans are probably laughing at me. Um, yeah, I don't see any any big center on their roster. So it might be a really, yeah, Jordan Bell. I, I think that Boban would get matched up a lot with Jordan Bell. And Boban's going to score on Jordan Bell if he gets the ball in the post every time. Every time. Every time. Boban's going to score every, every time. So let's get the ball to Boban some against the Warriors and make them defend that some way. Uh, so as you can tell, I'm, I'm fired up. Great, great Clipper win yesterday. 
Again, maybe their biggest of the season, the the famous 14-game stretch where the Clippers were going to be buried and not and not be able to come back from. We're getting through it, and we're not only getting through it, we're getting through it well. We are going to come out of the 14-game stretch as a team that would make the playoffs after those 14 games, which means there's a very good chance that, barring injuries, we're a playoff team this year. We get a free agent next year, and in my opinion, we're one of the top contenders in the NBA at that point. Um, thank you. I'm going to wrap this podcast up. Thank you for listening to caring about the Clippers. I care about the Clippers. I hope you care about the Clippers out.